right, perfect. So get ready to level up your productivity game with the ultimate guide for gamers. Today, we are joined by Josh. Josh Strout is going to be diving in and giving us a lot of information uh, regarding his background of modular construction, real estate, and maybe some stuff regarding gaming, of course. Uh, so thank you so much, Josh, for taking the time out of your day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And because you have joined us, I do want to ask, where are you joining us from? I am. I live in Southern California uh, with my wife, uh, Orange County. So it's you know, about noon. Uh, so uh, because you joined in on A Gamer's Guide to Productivity, I did want to ask how gaming influenced your personal growth as well as your personal development and what valuable lessons you have learned throughout your gaming experiences? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I was gaming pretty much my entire life. Um, I mean, my first system was uh, the original Nintendo, the NES. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older <laughs> than, than probably a lot of the gamers out there. Um, and then I really got into to gaming right around the time that, you know, the, the, the PS1, the original PlayStation came out. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that was a really exciting time because that was really when the video game industry really started to blow up just because, of course, advances technology. There were some, you know, sort of intercompany uh, rivalries going on between Sega and Nintendo and then now yeah. Sony and, and everything. So that naturally led to sort of a, an escalation in terms of, you know, technology and, and obviously user interface, et cetera, that ultimately benefited all of us because then we got some pretty great uh, systems. Um, so really at that point, just because it became so sort of immersive mm. and and so much more advanced than another than than it was beforehand. Um, gaming just became a, a very big part, I think, of of culture. You know, in terms of certainly regarding how young people interacted, um, how they how they socialized with one another. So, I mean, for me, it was you know hanging out with all my buddies, uh, the neighbor kids down the street. You know, right. playing like Mortal Kombat two when we're not supposed to. You know, game <laughs> from everybody. Um, and then it, it kind of just it grew from there because, you know, you fast forward to like the late, uh, really sort of like the early 2000s, the, the you know, sort of like 2000 to 2004, where mm -hmm. the PlayStation 2 uh, was going into the PlayStation 3. And really at that point, storytelling in video games became so much more in, involved just because the produ the production value going into games was right. so much more than it ever was before and really at that point i think um well actually certainly including some some pretty uh special titles during the playstation two days but really at that point um video games became i think much more of a storytelling medium than it otherwise was hmm. and the amount of production that goes into it, i mean you can really attach yourself you can really connect with some of these characters in ways that i would argue you really can't uh even when if you're even watching a movie you really can't um just in terms of the time that storytellers have to tell a story um and you know the same way that books i think shape a person's you know in the sense of individuality uh their right. sense of self uh video games i think do the same thing because of that ability to tell stories so I would I would say, you know, video games and some of the lessons that you learn through these stories that are being told, I think, have the ability to shape you as they've shaped me um, just as much as, uh, you know, a collection of really good books. Um, so it, it really was uh, a big part of um, my childhood uh, and growing up. And and it still is today. I was I was just I was just playing video games. Before, before the call. I, was, I was killing some time. So, um yeah, I mean, it's it, it was a huge it was a huge part of, of who I am. And I, I did want to ask because you did say so many insightful things. Like, first of all, which team are you in regards to your favorite console? I, I know you showed a controller. So is that the team that you rep? Sony all day long. I don't, <laughs> I don't even own an Xbox. <laughs> I have. I have like every other console. That's not true. I think I do have an Xbox 360. It's collecting dust somewhere. <laughs> um, 
I, I do. I have, I do have, yeah, I have a console from pretty much every manufacturer. I even have like a Sega Dreamcast somewhere uh, in the closet. Um, and, you know, me and my wife, my wife, who also enjoys gaming uh, as well, we sort of, uh, um, we sort of committed one of our guest bedrooms to like a, a game rooms. So and then we have wow. like old consoles and everything set up and, you know, big TV with, with games on the shelves and everything. So uh, I am team Sony. Um, I still think to this day, the PS2 is the, is the best console ever made. Um, just in terms of its, uh, how big a leaps it's made in terms of technology and everything it was capable of doing. Um, speaking of PlayStation 2, I, I referenced a couple titles. Um, you know, the, uh, the PlayStation 2, I think I, I credit uh, MGS2, Metal Gear Solid 2, it's probably mm. one of the original titles that got me really thinking about video games as a storytelling medium. Oh. Um, I mean, if if anyone ever played a Hideo Kojima game, you know that that guy likes his 30 minute cutscenes. And you start playing, it's like, oh, well, this is a movie. Like, this is just, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie. Um, but, you know, again, the, the PS2 had the technological capabilities that just, no one's ever seen before up to that point. So um, I am I am Team Sony, and and certainly uh, also because some of my favorite titles and franchises are are Sony games as well. Now, which which specific game did did you put in the most hours that you can recall? I would say I would say overall the Metal Gear series. Yeah. Mm. Um, MGS five was the last game I platinumed. And that was like that, that took a good three to 400 hours of gameplay because you have to do a lot of stuff over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's a time suck. Not coincidentally, that was the last game I, I platinumed because I was just like, I I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I, I <laughs> and I haven't played the game since, since I platinumed it. I am like, okay, I, I don't, I don't need to ever play this game again. Um, I probably have, yeah, I probably have a few hundred hours into MGS2 as well. Um, three, Snake Eater, I think is probably the mm. best of the entire franchise. Probably have a couple out, couple hundred hours in that game too. So I would say the entire Metal Gear franchise is, I, I would suppose, my favorite. Now, other than just uh, for the fun of it, the, the killing of the time, what do you think has been your number one skill that you either have learned or honed through playing uh, those games? You know, most people wouldn't think about it, but, uh, you know, critical thinking and, and strategy, you know, you can, mm. you know, you really can hone your mind. I mean, I think it, it depends on what you're playing, of course. Right, right. Um, but there are some great games out there that really take a strategic mind to master and you can you can apply a lot of those same skills to the rest of your everyday life. You know, a lot of folks credit video games uh, with with children having higher degrees of hand eye coordination and reflexes. Right. That's that's not a coincidence. Um, you can easily see how that's how that's true. Um, my reflexes and hand eye coordination definitely have diminished in my advancing years, but. <laughs> Yeah, for 100% for sure, you know, so they they really and, and again, we're seeing this now because there's uh, more and more companies, even the military are making use of virtual reality VR uh, as a way to train people, you know, because of the, the high degree of, of, you know, cognitive skill, cognitive strength that um, video games help you develop. So mm. there is for sure, I, I think some real life sort of applications to what we what we do in our free time with our video games and almost to, to start bridging over to to your expertise how do you how did your interest in video games and you know creative technologies influence your decision to start entering the field of real estate and modular construction well i i don't know if i could say that video games directly got me involved with real estate the um, only reason i say that is yeah. because when i was looking at modular and uh, i saw your video you were saying that's like like legos i'm like oh it's like yeah. legos that's a game okay so you that's that's why i i came up with yeah that question. well you know it's it's funny you say that because going back to what i said about um video games being a 
so again, something you can connect with at a deeper mm-hmm. level. You know, if you've ever you've ever watched a movie, you read ever read a good book, you ever played a very good video game that had a story that you found to be inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. again, like you're you're following these characters around for like 50, 60 hours right. during a campaign. And you're able to connect with them at a level, I would argue, much more deep deeper than what you would just the, the traditional movie. Because again, mm-hmm. you know, a storyteller only has a couple hours to tell you an entire story, including the mm-hmm. character development of your favorite characters. Oh, so yeah. if you get sucked into if you get sucked into a video game where, you know, you're you're basically embodying a character that you find to be, you know, very uh, sort of inspiring, brave, courageous, whatever. I think you can take some of that. I think you can take some of those feelings that you have, that those that sense of inspiration, and you can apply it to your everyday life. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe in a way, you know, all my, you know, being able to sort of lose yourself and sort of, you know, go on these adventures with these other characters, these fictional characters, in a way, maybe they can inspire you to take chances, to be braver, to be more courageous in your everyday life. And that's something you certainly need if you're going to be an entrepreneur. So I I think that could be one way where Mm -hmm. it absolutely could have benefited me. I I can make another connection to what I do and and sort of, you know, um, you know, video games in that we're we're now at a point now in our modular construction business where we're using Unreal Engine 5. You know, my my uh, love for video games obviously got me very familiar with Unreal Engine 5. Right. And there are some real applications to the world of real estate. Like we are working on pro- on projects right now that allow us to create virtual worlds of mm. construction projects that haven't even begun yet. Right. So what we can do is we can harness that same technology that you see, like if anyone's ever played like the, the new Matrix demo mm. using Unreal Engine 5, which is this insane. We can use that same level of technology to achieve the same level of detail to basically render a digital twin of a construction project that we can use for sales. We can use for permitting applications. Um, We can use Unreal Engine 5 to simulate traffic patterns. So whenever we're going to uh, file for permits, you know, for construction project, one thing the city will always ask us is, all right, well, what kind of a pain are you going to cause for all the neighbor, all the neighbors and all the residents in the area? And we can actually use, the same technology that goes into video games now to simulate traffic patterns and and pedestrian, you know, patterns, et cetera, to show that, Hey, us being here isn't going to be that big of a deal because this is where the cars can go. And this is right. right. So um, it it, it definitely does. My love of video games, I do find to be sort of overlapping with my, with my work life more and more each day. Wow. So I didn't even realize that unreal engine had that capacity uh, but the way that you describe it, it, it sounds really, really efficient and leads up to my next question, which was, you know, what what would be some of the key advantages that you would say of modular construction over, uh, you know, the typical traditional method of construction, uh, especially when you're trying to explain to people that it's, you know, the cost effective or efficient. So for somebody who's starting to get into the real estate investment world, you know, what would your pitch to, you know, explain the pros at least? We can get the cons later, but at least for the pros for now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're at a point, we're at a very exciting time in the modular construction industry where I, I, it's not an oversell. It really is truly not an oversell to say that we're at a point where there just really isn't much of a reason to, to not do modular construction. Right. Because, you know, I got into real estate the same way a lot of other people did. You know, I started out just as a private investor, you know, you, you know, actually, I started out uh, around the time, same time we were working for Hanover. I know that we have that have that in mm-hmm. common. Right. So um, I got into real estate as a private investor. Just, you know, you buy a couple of rental properties, rent, lease them out, et cetera, supplement your right. income. And that sort of got it. That sort of developed in, and grew into. All right. Well, let's try to let's try to flip some properties. Let's buy right. some distressed properties, fix them up, try to resell them. Just like they do on HGTV, because of course it's, it's just it's that simple. Of course it's that simple. Right. Um, I got into it. No, that was is not that simple. It's inc- incredibly painful. Um, <laughs> and that got into all right. Well, let's try to build. Let's develop. And the the construction industry, the real estate world, 
in and of itself in general is currently plagued by a number of inefficiencies um, that go across really the entire the entire scale the entire industry um obviously i mean cost of skilled labor is mm-hmm. through the roof um, right. a lot of that is just a supply and demand issue nobody wants to go into the trades you know no i think and it's really sad it's unfortunate yeah. you know we don't have to get into this but it's unfortunate that i think there's just a mentality now that just a lot of folks look down upon folk look down upon those who are in this who are in the trades right right who opted to do a, more of a blue collar quote unquote type of job versus an office job not realizing that i mean we're at a point now because because nobody wants to go into the trades you have electricians and plumbers making as much as doctors exactly. and without without the the med school bill the you know the tuition to pay off for med school um and it's a it's a good living you know because it's something that <laughs> you're something blue that always, collar worker <laughs> yeah it's 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 something that always needs you know people always need it there's always a demand for it um but again because nobody's going into that cost of of labor's going way up cost of materials of course is going up um never mind inflation but supply chain issues you know we just had a, a nightmare of a supply chain issue a couple of years ago with the suez canal or the panama canal sorry mm-hmm. um and you know cargo ships getting stranded in the ocean for months on end so things like this are just continuously compressing profits for right. developers and investors like myself and modular construction for us really it was a direct solution to a lot of those problems mm. so when i go and i and you know if i'm going to develop a property ordinarily most gcs you know they they do if they do anything if they're not just a purely paper gc meaning they subcontract out 100 percent of everything right most gcs do one or two things and then they subcontract out everything else mm. so you think about on an average job you have one person or one team in charge and then a dozen subcontractors. And the problem is each one of those subcontractors is their own CEO with their own business, their own way of doing things, Mm -hmm. their own schedule to meet and managing all those different people. And sometimes all those different egos becomes incredibly laborious and just way, you know, way too much of a hassle. Now I subcontract out just a couple things because 80, 85% of the, of the properties that we build are just are completed inside of our facility. Mm-hmm. So it keeps everything that that in, in that way, it keeps everything a lot more uh, simple, mm-hmm. obviously, because we're not paying for each subcontractors overhead and their profit margins, our costs are overall, our costs are lower overall in a project, which means we can pass those savings on to the home buyer. Um, again, you know, we, we don't have snow days, we don't have rain delays. We're never impacted by weather because we're building our homes inside of this huge facility. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, um, in, in combined with the fact that we can be building the house while the team at the site is building the foundation. So everything is mm-hmm. running together at the same time. We can build the house about 50% faster. So if you're an investor who has to pay interest on a construction loan, uh, you're not paying as much interest because the house is going to be finished or the project, the apartment complex, whatever. Your project's going to be finished that much faster than it would be if you were waiting for someone to finish it on site. So now your finance charges are also lower. So it, we're more efficient. We're we're cheaper. And there's also an environmental component. We're less impactful in the environment because of how we build. Right. We are We are seen as a greener form of construction. And all of these things now are... Obviously, they're they're hot button topics. Correct. You know, people are trying to find affordable housing. Mm-hmm. We make affordable housing. Exactly. People are worried about the environment. We're better for the environment. So right. we are. This is a, a really good time for us to be doing what we're doing. Now, for the individuals that have a an incorrect mindset when it comes to modular construction, because when I first heard of modular construction, I was thinking of like a trailer home. That's what I was first thinking. And then mm-hmm. when somebody was like, when you think of modular, you want to think of like a manufactured. And so for individuals who might have a, a misunderstanding, how do you how do you clarify without like like uh, scaring them away from from modular construction? Well, that's a great question. I think uh, a lot of that stems from the fact that we are 
uh, I think a lot of folks are erroneously using the term manufactured in, in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, in the world of real estate, a manufactured home is a trailer. It's, it's like a double wide. It comes with a serial number, a serial number tag on the mm-hmm. module or sorry, on the on the home. Uh, it depreciates. It doesn't appreciate like a regular home. Uh, it's mobile in nature. It's made to be moved. It has to be moved. And, uh, you know, it's by and large just because um, manufactured homes, meaning trailers, uh, follow different uh, building codes. Sometimes the quality is a little bit less mm. than, than it would be for a home that's designed to, to be there for 200 years. We are not a man, we are not manufactured homes. Um, there is no such thing as a modular home. Mm. By definition, there's no such thing as a modular home. Modular only describes how we build a home. Ah, so it's the so, so it's a process. It's not a type of home. So okay. when we construct one of our homes and we put them together, we, you know, we finish the roof, we stack everything, put everything in place, stack the modules together. When we walk away from that site, the house is indistinguishable from any other house that you'd see walking down the street, any other house that was built by an on-site home builder. You, mm-hmm. you can't tell the difference. Right, right. Yeah, you won't be able to tell the difference. Also, there's if you ever look at one of our uh, listings, one of our MLS listings for a house that we built and tried to sell, mm-hmm. nowhere in our listing will, will we ever say the house is modular because we don't have to. Appraisers mm-hmm. cannot treat our houses any differently than any other house built on site. They appreciate the same way any house does that was built on site. Mm-hmm. Um, they're When they're put there, they're there forever. They're a permanent structure. So right. they're designed to hold up just as long as the, any other house that was built on site. So that that's really what I try to drive home with people is that, um, and, uh, you know, understand that modular describes a process, not a type of home. And, and yes, a lot of the, I think the, uh, the misunderstandings, um, that people have, they come from the they come from the assumption that what we do is akin to to trailers, and that's just not right. true. Right. No, no. They, if they see the pictures there that you that you provide, they're gonna be like, "What? I want one of yeah. those." Yeah. Um, but I did want to ask also, since you did clarify, how would you stay up to date um, in terms of knowing what the latest technologies, the latest uh, news? Uh, when something might be coming down the pipeline, whether like a law or or like uh, the blockage of a of a of a canal, how do you stay on top of all that information, and how do you act accordingly with your business once you do have that information? Uh, a, a lot of other people helping me out and, uh, and working with our team. Um, it's it's never it's never just me. It's never just one person. Uh, it's a lot of people uh, that are involved. And I don't, I'm not always the first person to find things out. You know, sometimes I hear it from our CFO or sometimes I, you know, I hear it from somebody else on our team, uh, one of our consultants that I, that we work with. So, I mean, I really do make a habit of trying to surround myself with, with people who not only, uh, understand and value what it is we're trying to accomplish, but, but mm-hmm. those who, who are workers who, who are willing to work as and able to work as hard as I do. Um, and, uh, it, it really is, it's a team effort. So, um, as far as things that happen in the world, look, I, you know, we don't have control over that no more, any more than anybody else does. So all right. we can do is focus on trying to develop and try to, to distribute the highest quality product possible, which if we're doing that, we should be okay because, we're in a constant state of undersupply in the housing market. I think to this day, we're still about 5 million units short in the, in the United States. So there's, there's always a, a demand. There's always going to be a demand for quality housing. As long as we're continuing to do that, we should be okay. Any hardships that fall our way are going to be felt by our competition too. Mm-hmm. So we just got to focus on sort of what we can do uh, the best, what we, you know, the best job that we can do. And, you know, kind of let the world uh, sort itself out. As far as laws that are passed, we follow the same uh, residential building code that anybody else does. Again, that's that's one of the reasons why we're not treated any differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we follow the same building codes any any home builder does. So again, if something new comes out, 
it, it's going to impact our competition right. uh, as well. So all we all we can really do is sort of just, you know, be versatile, uh, be flexible uh, and, and, you know, be willing to adapt with whatever comes our way. Oh, nice. Thank you for clarifying that. And I, I did want to take a slight commercial break just to let everybody know if you like the valuable content that's being provided, please make sure to like, comment and subscribe. And Josh, please let everybody know where they can also uh, either follow you uh, if they're interested in what you're providing, where they can go to get more information, as well as the area that you develop. Um, so that way they can, you know, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, if anyone ever has any questions, I mean, we love talking about this stuff. So, you know, I, I talk about this stuff all day long. Um, you can find us at uh, www.ivmodular.com, uh, as in Iron Valley. So ivmodular.com. Uh, you can email us at info at ironvalleyci.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page uh, you can find. We have uh, Instagram uh, that you can follow, look at some of our projects, our homes. But, um, you know, again, you know, don't, don't just take it from me. You know, there's a lot of uh, useful information out there. Uh, the, the Modular Building Institute is another source of education for folks who are interested in modular construction, but not really sure if it's right for them and they want to give it a try. So, you know, do your research. Um, certainly, if you have questions, ask me. And uh, we're, we're here to help. We're here to educate. Uh, okay. re regarding uh, where we build, because uh, I know, sorry, that was your other question. Um, our facilities are in Pennsylvania. But you know, again, because of how we operate, we have the ability to do projects pretty much across the entire country. Um, we sent, we regularly oh, wow. send homes as far up as Maine, uh, all the way down to Florida. Uh, most recently, we're doing a project for a developer out in, I think, Wyoming. Uh, so we're shipping we're shipping modules all the way out to uh, Wyoming as well. So um, we we have the ability to to really help pretty much anybody across the United States. Okay, so so when you mean shipping, so you're 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 essentially saying that you can have a team set a foundation in like Wyoming or in Maine, have it built in in Pennsylvania, and then have it completed yes so yeah sorry if that wasn't clear that's exactly what we do so we'll have the team uh out in whatever city that we're building in um because you have to do some work at the local level of course so you have to pour your footers right, you right. have to pour your your foundation so we'll have a team out there doing that meanwhile we're having the actual structure the actual home built in our facility and then we just again like giant lego blocks we place them on the backs of a semi-truck trailer and we just ship them out to the site. Then we use cranes to uh, to position them in, in place. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. I was thinking that it was on a, just a specific local level, but yeah, that is actually pretty cool because I, I was thinking like maybe fifty mile radius, a hundred mile radius. But if somebody reaches out, like you know, California, Maine, Florida, Alabama, and they you know go through the entire process. That's something that your facility can complete regardless of where they're located, as long as you know continental US. Hundred percent. Our production team is licensed in multiple states. I believe pretty much every state. Um, now there's a cost. There's a cost uh, standpoint associated with shipping modules so far away from our home. So right. again, we have transportation costs that perhaps the standard home builder doesn't have to incur um, and right. ordinarily it works out because we're, we're so much less expensive in the aggregate that it makes sense for us to do modular and then we just ship them out to the site um, however the further that you go away from pennsylvania the more expensive our shipping costs become and then it gets to a point where i mean how much how much are you saving you know in the end mm -hmm. by the time that you pay for rigging you know trucking that sort of thing um, I think the I think the the caveat I should add to this Wyoming job, um, I, I I'll check with our team, but I believe that particular client might have owned his own trucking company, so mm -hmm. I think there were some cost efficiencies there for him to bring the modules out because we don't grant it. Like I'll admit, we don't do a lot of projects that far away from Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. But what I typically tell people is if you're within like a six hour drive of central Pennsylvania, which is 
about half of the U.S. population. You think about all the major cities there. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're within about a six-hour drive of central Pennsylvania, chances are we're going to be your best bet. Hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I did want to get clarification on that. And I did want to know other than that, Wyoming, if you had a specific job, um, or situation that really made you appreciate what you've been doing so far. Uh, I love seeing things go up. Uh, I love seeing things be built. Um, I also love solving problems. You know, and, and that's what we do. We solve problems. Um, case in point, there's a huge application uh, for what we do. There's a huge application uh, for affordable housing. You know, for mm -hmm. affordable housing obviously is a, is a social issue that we're all uh, looking at right now that we're all dealing with. Um, unfortunately, again, because of the cost of labor and everything, it's really difficult to construct affordable housing. Right. We, we can, like we literally can make um, a project that would otherwise not be viable, we can make it financially viable just because our costs are that much lower. So I, I think uh, we have an important um, role to play uh, as we move forward, an uh, important role in trying to, to help address some of these issues. Uh, I'm particularly proud of the fact that, that we're in a position where, where perhaps we can help um, with some of these things. Um, so that that's a big, you know, that's a big part of certainly a big um, issue of, of pride uh, within our team that we can do that. And then also too, I mean, we're, we're a pretty, you know, uh, technological, you know, tech centric construction company. If you think about it, I mean, we mm -hmm. leverage a lot of the same tenants of manufacturing uh, and how we build. And a lot of that stuff develops and changes with advances in technology. So as construction technology advances, companies like ours are going to be sort of at the forefront of, of those changes. And I think that's really cool. Um, I think that makes the job really, really fun. So it, it oh, is, yeah. like I said, it's a, it's a really exciting time uh, to be to be in our field. Now, in terms of the affordability, it, it did bring me to mind. I, I don't know if you're able to speak on this, but would would that also mean that individuals who have the capacity to be eligible for like a FHA loan, a first time home uh, owners, that this would be something that they should be looking at with serious contention? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and here's why. I mean, we we don't discriminate uh, regarding someone's financing. The private homeowner, the private home seller, unfortunately, does discriminate. Uh, and you know, anybody who's ever tried to use an FHA loan or a VA loan, for instance, um, in, in this market, will know what I'm talking about. It's, it's difficult. It's hard to get your, it's hard to, to get your offer accepted. Uh, a lot of times if the, if the seller knows that it's like an FHA loan, just because of the, mm -hmm. you know, they don't want to take chances in the fact that ultimately it may not get approved, or there's going to be a lot of like obstacles or hurdles that, you know, each party's right, right. going to have to satisfy. Um, we don't, we don't discriminate. Uh, so as long as, you know, once the, the home buyer gets their approval and, and the lender confirms that, you know, the project will be financed and the money's available, we we're ready to do business. And again, we have the ability to construct a very high quality home at a much, much lower price point. So that as a new home buyer, by the time you move in, you're going to have more equity in that house than you otherwise would if you were buying it from either the private market or, you know, uh, another on-site home builder. So it's a it's a great way, um, honestly, to to get ahead uh, financially as a home buyer. I mean, it's it's a it's a great way to prevent yourself from becoming house broke. Hmm. Interesting. So, so I have, I have like three or four more questions left, but they're, they're going to be some tough, tough, tough ones right. for you. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the easier one. So in regards to uh, that information that you just disclosed, so in a hypothetical situation where somebody is looking to buy, uh, let's say like, you know, a couple acres of land, like two or three hours away from Pennsylvania, and they're looking to get the FHA or a, a different, uh, version of of lending because there's so many 
uh, different yeah. ways of getting lending. So what would you say should be their appropriate steps to action? Should they, you know, first go to the, the, the mortgage company and ask for the loan? Should they reach out to the real estate agent and, and tell them, this is what I'm looking at. Should they go on Zillow and be like, uh, let me reach out directly to the person who is selling. So that way they can start the process or should they go directly to you and uh, the website representatives and seeing uh, how you guys can assist. What, what should somebody that's intrigued in this process like what should their steps to action be uh so what i would recommend to anyone is if you are interested in developing a new house and if you're interested in using our process um reach out to a company like ours first and you know explain to us what it is you're trying to achieve tell us where it is you you're trying to build um and we we offer this service completely free uh, you know, if you have a, a piece of land in mind, either, whether you own it or maybe you're, you're just looking to make an offer on it, we can take a look at it and, and do sort of a, a free feasibility analysis to determine, you know, is the land, you know, conducive for a modular build? Um, sometimes, I mean, we're, we're not a, we're not a one size fits all. We're not sort of a, a, you know, a solution for everybody. I mean, crane ingress egress is is important um we have to be able to maneuver a pretty sizable crane um into the project site to to lift the modules into place now 85 i would say even 90 percent of the time we figure it out and it's no problem but every once in a while somebody comes to us with a really sort of hairy <laughs> hairy project uh and it's in an area where it's just like oh man i I don't know how we're going to pull this one off, whether it's because the the ground's really, um, really hard to work with, or there could be oversized power, oversi overhead power lines, sorry, mm -hmm. um, that, again, would get in the way of a, of a crane boom. So, right. again, we, unfortunately, we don't have a solution for 100% of every prospective buyer that would come our way. But if you have a piece of land that you're looking to, to build, just reach out to us. Uh, we can take a look at it. We'll look at it on Google Earth, um, see what we think of it, see how doable it is, and we can go from there. Uh, we have a number of partner realtors um, across the state and across the country who are familiar with modular construction, who are also pretty well trained at helping you identify a piece of land that would work for our for our type of build. Uh, and mm -hmm. then once you kind of figure, once you have that figured out, and once you have your answers, your your questions answered. Uh, by us and by, you know, your realtor, whoever it is you're working with at that point. Um, yeah. Talk to, talk to your lender, let them know that you're thinking about doing a, uh, a new build and, and they'll know what to do. You know um, the loan, setting up the loan for a job, like a job like ours is no different than setting up a loan for a, a regular onsite build. It's the let the loan process is exactly the same. Okay. Okay. So I appreciate that. That's just because there might be some individuals that are listening and tuning in and they have no idea about real estate. They really want to get started. And guys, this is literally like one of the most seamless ways of doing it. Um, because going about buying an uh, already pre-established home, it's almost the same exact scenario. You're just doing one more step, which is just reaching out to you guys first, right. uh, because everything else is pretty much the same exact thing. Um, and before I ask the last two questions, did you want to add anything else on that? No, like I said, um, we are, I'll just reemphasize re that we are here to help. Um, we love talking about this stuff. Uh, we will never turn away somebody who wants to learn about modular construction. I really do believe, I love it. I really do believe that this is the future uh, of our industry. Uh, right now, globally, we're about a $70 billion industry. Um, which sounds like a lot, but it's not, not in the world of construction. Uh, we make up about four and a half, five percent of all U.S. construction. So we're still pretty niche, oh, wow. but we are projected to be a $130 billion industry uh, globally by the end of the decade. So this is becoming popular, not just here in the United States, but it's, it's becoming popular everywhere because we solve the same problems that are being felt everywhere. Um, issues that pertain to uh the cost of the cost of real estate hmm. 
Now, this is going to be the hardest question I'm ever going to ask. Okay. <laughs> if you don't want to answer, just say pass, and I'll go to the easiest question. Uh, so building trust with potential investors is crucial for any company. So how does Iron Valley Modular establish and maintain trust with investors? And can you share more about any investment opportunities avail available for those that are interested? And if there is any certain requirements or minimum amount uh, required to invest? That's a great question. Um, I have to tiptoe around a couple a couple things there. Um, <laughs> so how we build trust, I mean, again, communication is key. It's, it's, having, it's having very candid, open uh, conversations like you and I are having right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of the same questions you ask me are questions I get almost on a daily basis from whether they be lenders or potential investors. And again, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but in some ways it, it, it might seem a little easier to us to kind of get the attention of investors because you know we can come from we can come at things from a very logical position and right. and we can say listen guys you we know the issues that you're facing a lot of our investors are naturally they're going to be developers you know a lot of big name investors or even hedge fund managers have funds that focus on real estate because real estate is such a mm -hmm. great thing to invest in so when we talk yeah. to these people we can we can go at them for very sort of straightforward uh with a very straightforward approach and we can tell them hey we we know the problems that you're having because everybody's having them we know that labor is getting incredibly difficult to find quality contractors are getting very difficult to hire you know it's becoming more expensive your profits are constrained let let us explain to you what we do because we have a solution for all of those issues and a lot of folks, again, any sort of hesitancy that people have, it comes just from a lack of familiarity, a lack of knowledge. Right, so, right. again, we have we have uh, webinars and info sessions with people. We show them clips of our projects. You show them how our homes, uh, how our homes go together, et cetera. We invite them up to Pennsylvania to see our facility. Um, that's really our best sales tool. Uh, and our best way of developing trust with investors, because once they see how the process actually works, it's a very, it's a very high uh, rate of, of close, a very high close rate uh, once they come up and see the facility. Um, so uh, again, just having that, that dialogue for us is, is the best way possible. And, and again, if you can't tell, we're really excited about what we do. I really, you know, right. I speaking for myself, I, I love right. what I do. And hopefully that comes off when I talk to investors. And, and, you know, that they see, okay, this is this, these people are genuine, you know, this is, this is a legit, this is a real deal. This is the real deal. This is the real future of construction. So hopefully all those things are adequately conveyed to, to the folks I'm talking to. Um, as far as uh, investment opportunities uh, are concerned, uh, we are, we are working on a couple of things. Um, I can't, really dispel all the details uh here but you know if somebody wants to talk to us um absolutely they can please have them, please reach out to us but uh we have we are setting up a couple of different ways where if you want to invest in a project that we're developing we have platforms for that uh and we can talk um ordinarily when it comes to like commercial construction uh the minimum mm -hmm. uh, investment would be about fifty thousand for a project that we're trying to build as part of our fund. Uh, and then we are also currently seeking um, investment for the sake of scaling up our business. Uh, we are currently seeking equitable uh, investments from folks who perhaps are in the real estate world who uh, understand that what we, what we bring to the table is infrastructure. We bring to the table infrastructure and a means of developing real estate at a much, much lower cost. So we are actively trying to scale up our business um, and we're, we're looking for, uh, for folks who share in our vision, uh, for the future and, you know, willing to, uh, to bring them in as partners. Uh, so that, that's another thing that, uh, we're currently working on as well. And anybody who, who is, you know, seriously, um, considering, uh, getting into this world again, I, I just highly suggest they reach out to us and talk. 
perfect perfect no that is exactly it no no worries about not having to you know answer directly i understand how business can be not everything is an open book some things you know you just got to keep it in your in your corner in your little playbook especially if a lawyer is listening right. <laughs> um but uh you know uh wrapping up here i did want to ask um what do you do in terms of having a uh, a positive company culture uh, because everything is good to have it you know for investors and outside but for somebody uh you know like earlier you mentioned regarding blue collar work you know what would be some of the positive company culture that somebody that might be listening in and they, they're a gamer they don't know what they're might be doing after high school and they're in college and they're thinking about you know you said all this amazing stuff about blue collar work so what would be something in regards to the company culture that you would be uh letting them know that this is something that they might consider or want to do it's a great question um we are we have a ton of respect we have immense respect for people who go into the trades because it's many of those people who are the reason we're in business uh who actually right. you know drive the the company forward i mean you know i can you know, I, I help to craft the company strategy. Um, I, I certainly make every effort. I, I want to be seen as someone who embodies the company culture. I mean, ultimately, that should start with me and, and the other folks who form our, our senior leadership team. Um, we never, like I said, uh, we, we welcome bright ideas from, from anywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what your position is on the team. Um, if you have a good idea, if you have something that you want to share that you think is going to, to benefit um, the, the company, benefit the team, we want to hear about it. You know, uh, we don't, like I said, we, we, uh, we're all in this together. Um, we love talking about it. Um, we're, we're, again, we're very big believers in the trades and we are actively mm -hmm. working on ways to invest into the future of the trades. Uh, you know, we look to partner with local um, vocational schools. Uh, in the area, um, provide them better funding, you know, provide certain internship or training opportunities for folks who perhaps want to go into welding or go into electrical work or carpentry. These are all things that we heavily rely on, you know, is, is having right. quality uh, welders, quality plumbers, electricians. These are all very uh, lucrative careers too, uh, if you go into it. So um, we really do see ourselves as advocates for the field. Um, we want to make sure that that, you know, younger people understand that, you know, college is great. You know, I went to college. Um, it's it's not for everybody. Uh, it doesn't have to be. And, and honestly, I, I hate to say it, but I question if maybe the, the traditional college experience lost some of its value over the last you know decade or so. Um, mm -hmm. College doesn't have to be for everybody. You don't require college mm -hmm. to have a lucrative career. Not anymore, at least. So right. um, there, there is another path to finding, you know, financial freedom and just an overall quality career. Um, so we want to make sure that we're doing our part to, to make sure that younger people understand that, that they have a, they have a place they can go to to learn. Um, and also uh, we want to make sure that we're actively creating jobs for those people as they, as they graduate from their, from their trade school. So that, that in a nutshell is really what we try to do to make sure that we're doing our part to, uh, to kind of move things forward. Perfect. No, that that is great because I always uh, advocate as well. Like you know, blue collar workers they essentially run the country um, because without them, you know, no electricity, no plumbing, no heating, <laughs> you know, no home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I did want to close with a, a question that alleviates everything and leaves the business uh, to the side. Uh, what has been to your knowledge, your most favorite experience regarding gaming that you might remember? It could be the earliest experience, the first time you got an amazing, uh, you know, gameplay or highlight, or you were doing it in front of your friends, or the story was just amazing. What's that one experience regarding gaming that you're just like, wow, no, nothing ever will get to that level, but I always cherish that moment. Wow, that's a great question. Um, that's a lot. Um, I would say, again, I got to go back to Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2 was really the first game I ever played where I was like literally like just blown away and sort of sucked into the story. And I realized mm -hmm. that that gaming, as I knew it, has changed and has evolved. And I and honestly, I remember feeling like emotionally 
sort of impacted by what I was seeing. Um, I won't say I, I'm not saying it's the best Metal Gear story because it's not, but it's the first one. It's the first time I played a game that I remember being emotionally mm -hmm. impacted the way that I am, the way the way that I was at the time. Um, I would say, I would say it's right up there. Um, I would say a close second was when I beat the Blood Starved Beast in Bloodborne for the first time because I just about threw my controller through the screen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, it was my first oh, Soulsborne man. game I ever played, which is probably a mistake because I, I'm <laughs> the most difficult one. But I, I rage yeah. quit like for months. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't look up any help. I didn't know, like, I didn't, I didn't have tools or, or guides or anything to help me. So, um, and then I went back one day randomly and on like, maybe like the 11th or 12th try or whatever, I finally beat it. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I was, I was jumping around the house quite a bit there. So I would say that that's, that that's up there too. Okay, so I know I was trying to close, but like the oh my goodness, any any Souls game is like so annoying to play because yeah. no matter how many times you try, you can look at somebody else playing and be like, oh, I know exactly how to do it. Right. Yeah, I watch, I watched the tutorial, I read, and then you go in there and it's like, yo, what the heck? <laughs> it's not working. The tutorial said that this is how you're supposed to do it, and it's not working. I was I was chasing a platinum for Elden Ring, and I just, I don't have enough time for that. Uh, it's just, I, I don't get to play as much as I'd like to anymore, at least nowadays. But, you know, I was, that was the most recent game I, I finished. So uh, that was pretty great, too. But I still, I mean, for my money, I still think Bloodborne's their best game. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely uh, something achievable. I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to defeat any of the Souls uh, uh, bosses ever. Um, I know for a fact that I would try endlessly, and it would just—it's nowhere near uh, as fun consistently losing. So I'm glad to hear that somebody didn't give up, went back, and then did it. So uh, you know, kudos to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was an incredible conversation. Um, I definitely, definitely, definitely applaud you for uh, creating this this company, this mindset, this this innovation to uh, essentially provide a huge amount of solutions uh, because the home is a huge amount of solutions. That's not just a place to sleep. There's so many more things that go into a home. So I applaud you for doing that. And once again, please let everybody know where they can go uh, to support you as well as if they're interested in doing uh, some sort of business with you where they can also uh, start collaborating and have just a conversation. Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, just, you know, you go to our website, um, ivmodular.com. There's also a form you can fill out where we will get uh, a me your message, your information. You can also email us directly at info at ironvalleyci.com. Um, follow us on Facebook, message us there, message us on Instagram. Uh, we check all of that and uh, we're just, we're happy to, we're happy to have the conversation. Perfect. Well, I hope everybody that listened, that you enjoyed the conversation, you learned something of value and hopefully you applied it even more so because just because you have information unless you don't apply it it's irrelevant if you also like to make sure to like comment and subscribe other than that it's been a phenomenal episode josh if you have any last words now's your time uh don't give up if you're stuck on your souls born game just you know keep at it um maybe i'll go back and i'll try i'll, I'll start another one today who knows um but no, um, love gaming, love connecting with you all. Thanks so much again for having me. Oh, thank you. And this has been episode 21 of the interview series, season two, episode one of A Gamer's Guide to Productivity. I'm your host, Nico Pingan. This has been an amazing show. Thank you so much, Josh, once again, for coming out and supporting everybody. Make sure to check him out. Uh, check out if you are especially interested in anything regarding real estate definitely check them out. Other than that, take care and have a great rest of your day.